Chapter 10 of The Bad Little Owls This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Disha Shetty The Bad Little Owls by John Breck The big rain puts an end to evil doings for a time. I'll just tell you, the wife of the bad little owl was glad to get on her wings. She flew so fast that her mate flying along behind her said, Hey, killer can't keep up with us at this rate. Where are you going? I'm scared to death of that wicked weasel, she answered. I'm going as fast and as far as ever I can. What a way to talk, he hooted indignantly. The poor fellow was hungry. No wonder he was cross. Just as soon as he gets a good meal, he'll be friendly again. We can't change our hunting ground with this storm coming on. There won't be any grasshoppers to speak of, and it takes so many of them to make a meal. We mightn't have the luck to catch a sparrow, and we wouldn't know a single mouse hole. It's too dangerous. It's not nearly as dangerous as Killer, snapped his wife. He didn't make you come right down close to him, the way he made me. He could have caught me. I won't risk it again. He made me give him that robin, answered the little he-owl. But I don't care a bit. I'm tired of eating robins. Think of all we had to carry home from the robin's roost. And we didn't help him kill a single one. Now... If we help him kill the mice, we'll get every other one of them. Um, and he smacked his beak. Wasn't he just a greedy little bird? His mate wheeled around to think it over. She certainly didn't like the looks of that storm. Besides, it wouldn't hurt to show Killer the stump. The minute he took his eye off her, she'd hide and she wouldn't come back until after he had eaten and gone. She could hear him calling. Her mate answered with the funny little yap owls use between them when they are hunting together. Down she dropped, but she gripped her claws good and tight into the branch of a tree near the mouse's stump before she called. Here we are! panted the wicked beast. I didn't know where you had gone. Lots of tracks here. All right, enough, he chuckled. It was inky dark, so of course he couldn't see that the footprints of the mice were all leading out and none leading back in again. You remember Jake Jay had sent every little tail scuttling out of the woods and fields as fast as mice could run? Scritch, scritch! If great-grandfather Fieldmouse had heard Killer's claws staring at the rotten wood, he wouldn't have boasted that no one but a bear could break in and eat them. Then, boom, crash, rip, splash! Down in one blinding sheet came the first rain of that storm. It was surely a bad one. The hop-toad was right when he said that there was going to be rain. Floods of it. There was. 
and there was wind and lightning and thunder and terrible squeaking and squawking and rustling and pounding. All the noises that make a storm such a scary thing. Of course, it wasn't as bad as Jake Jay told the mouse it was going to be. But the mice didn't know that. They were all hidden in the stone pile by the cornfield fence or in the logs and stumps in the deep woods. Some of them even went all the way up to Tommy Peel's barn and hid in the straw stack. They didn't hide in the haystack because... But first, I want to tell you the rest of what happened down by Dr. Muskrat's pond. The owls tried to fly home, but their wings got so waterlogged with the rain that they had to creep into the hollow oak that was blown down in the terrible storm. The time Nibble Rabbit rescued the woods folk who were living in it and had a storm party in his little cornstalk tent. Killer tried to hide in his crack between two stones in the bank of Dr. Muskrat's pond. But the water found him. First, it trickled in from the ground above where Louis Thompson's little blanket tent used to stand and most washed him out. And then the pond grew fuller and fuller and higher and higher until it most drowned him. So he had to go out in all that rain, gnashing his teeth and swearing. Those pesky little owls, he snarled. Only he said something worse than just pesky. I'm going to drag them out of their snug hole by their scrawny little necks and eat them and live in it myself till the storm is gone. Up he climbed. His paw wasn't hurt a bit. When he told the owl it was, he was only pretending, you know. Of course, the owls weren't in it. He squeezed into it himself. But it was so small for him, he had to double all up inside. And the mouse bones in the bottom of it were very uncomfortable. Wasn't he starved and squirmy and peevish? The wicked thing. But the woods folk weren't. Nibble Rabbit knew his way about Tommy Peel's barn quite as well as he knew his way about the woods and fields. And that made Silkiers think he was smarter than ever. Dr. Muskrat learned from the white ducks, who aren't nearly as stupid as they look, all about the ponds the rain was making. So he was happy. And Striped Skunk had the finest hunting in the world in the haystack. He stationed one of his kittens at each of the rat holes. So whenever Alpha's sons or grandsons tried to dodge out of the stack to hunt a meal, someone was sure to catch him. He turned into a feast instead of finding one. So they were all very comfortable and happy. Except the bad rats. Pretty clever of them, wasn't it? But you forget that Killer was clever too. Though I don't blame you for that. So did the woods folk. They never dreamed that Killer would find out where they'd run away to. Or that he'd be bold enough to follow them. People always forget that the old saying, He who fights and runs away may live to fight another day, doesn't mean that he who runs away gets out of fighting for good and all. 
no, it was war to the tooth in the end. Fur and feathers fought together on both sides. For the bad little owls kept right on helping Killer. They didn't dare not to. And every decent bird was more than willing to wear out his summer wings if need be to help good old Dr. Muskrat and his friends. So it was pretty even. But the woods folk won in the end. Because they had help that was neither one nor t'other. Feathers or fur or even skin or scales. It was something Mother Nature herself had never dreamed of in the first off beginning of things. It was, Why great beef bones? As Watch would say, Here I am at most, the very last line in this book. Well, you'd better copy that wise dog and think about all the nicest things you know to keep from worrying while you wait for the next story to find out just what it was. End of chapter 10 End of the Bad Little Owls by John Brett